Hello, everyone, and welcome to this webinar today. I'm Francis Seeley from the Enfield Climate Action Forum and Global Net 21 as well. And today we're going to look at climate anxiety. We do a lot on climate change, but we haven't talked a great deal about the anxiety and the stress that people feel around what might happen in the future. And we're going to talk to Rebecca Nestor today because she's been one of those people who has been primarily responsible for developing something called climate cafes, where people can come together and talk about those anxieties. And I thought it was important to really look at that project or that idea or that development, which is not, not, not just national, it's globally as well. And I'm glad that you're able to join us today, Rebecca. And I'll ask you what I ask everyone to begin with, and that is, you know, could you tell us a little bit briefly about yourself? Sure. Thank you, Francis. It's great to be here. Um, I'm really glad that you're focusing on this on this topic, which often gets missed when people are focusing on action and uh, what we can do. You know, that, that's obviously very important, but I think climate anxiety is a big part of people's experience. Um, I'm a facilitator and um, uh, workshop leader and organizational consultant and I've been studying what it feels like to work on climate change and that's where my interest in climate anxiety and climate distress came from. Okay um, you mentioned in your opening that yeah we do talk a lot about climate change we talk about adaption we talk about mitigation and so on and not so much about climate anxiety. Is climate anxiety a very real concern? Absolutely it is. Um, so one of the things that has happened, I think, over the last five to 10 years is that most people are absolutely aware of and concerned about what is happening to our climate. Um, you look at uh, studies around the world, make that, make that very clear. Um, although in this country, we often believe that, um, that if we do have concerns about the climate crisis, that we are in a minority and that our friends and family and other other citizens don't don't are not taking it seriously don't really understand but that's not the case and for for most people there are very difficult feelings associated with this um, some people call it climate distress rather than climate anxiety because it's it's more than just anxiety um, so there's there are feelings of guilt there are feelings of shame there are feelings of what have we done collectively um, there are feelings of why didn't I know? Why did nobody tell me? Um, and there are there is, of course, fear and anxiety um, and all of those, you know, mix up together and are very hard to handle. Um, and we all we all have different personal ways of responding to the, uh, the, the difficult feelings. Some of us push them away and that's completely understandable. Um, but we I think collectively cannot continue to push those feelings away because they're real and they're they are, in fact, as some psychologists say, they are a response to reality. They are an indication that we are collectively understanding what's happening. And we, so we need to find words for them because they help us with that understanding about what's happening. You say that um, some psychologists, and I think you belong to the Climate Psychology Alliance, don't you? And is that a group of psychologists who really focus on addressing climate anxiety? It, it is. It is a big part of what the Climate Psychology Alliance do. Um, and I'm on I'm on the board and I, I, I lead for the CPA on our climate cafe work, which is really growing. Um, 
CPA started, though, um, as a, a group of um, academic psychologists and uh, psychotherapeutic practitioners looking at what what denial means, you know, what it what it what it meant that this is 10 years ago, what, what it what it meant that, that there seemed to be very little concern, you know, there was this sense of climate change being something as far away in space and time, sort of not really affecting us, people talking about things like switching your appliances off at the wall as if that was going to solve the problem. Um, so they were looking at the mechanisms of denial, not the social mechanisms so much as the psychological mechanisms. That's where it started. But over the last four or five years, of course, as denial has been sort of replaced by distress, there, there has been more of a focus on how we can help people with that distress. Um, and CPA does things like um, providing a directory of climate aware therapists who can work with people. Um, typically, those people offer uh, free sessions, um, free places to just come and, and share your feelings. But we also offer a range of different interventions, including climate cafes. And we have a big focus on the value of coming together in groups for this kind of thing so that we begin to see that we're not the only ones feeling like this and we begin to connect with others to help us develop the capacity to work on this on this issue in 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 a collective space which is what we need isn't it is, it, is that partly because you find that you know stress guilt denial all of that people sometimes want to keep it to themselves and they sort of you know have a barrier, a shell around themselves, and and you know that adds to their stress as well. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, uh, you put that very nicely. I think that there's this kind of barrier or shell that that we that we put up. It's what people do when they have difficult feelings and they need to manage them. Um, that's what, in a sense, what a defence is. Um, just and just thinking about the way, so. One of the things that I think is difficult is that we um, we may not have had much opportunity to put our feelings into words. You know, many of us have grown up being told, stop making a fuss, keep it, you know, pull your socks up, get on with it. Um, and, and not learning about how to name the feelings we've got. And so we've been encouraged, we've been taught to keep them under wraps. And we haven't learned how to how to express them. And so climate cafes and climate therapy are a place where we can learn, we can begin to learn to do that. Um, and for many people, therapy is one step too far. Um, some of the some of the interventions that are offered, like active hope or climate grief circles, which are absolutely fabulous things, but for some people that's one step too far as well. Um, and so climate cafes are just a really simple thing, you know, where you, where you speak um, over a cup of tea, slice of cake, just as you would in an ordinary setting. Um, but the focus is climate feelings. Um, so, and people are learning how to put them into words. I mean, you, you said that it's important for people very often to get, to get together in groups. And I guess that's what the climate cafe is. I mean, can you tell us how that idea sort of originated and how it's developed? Sure. Um, well, the first thing to say is that it, it, it originated in lots of different places, I think, at the same time. Um, so, you know, a bit like convergent evolution. Um, we have this thing now that we call climate cafes, but it started in lots of different parts of the world. 
Um, I can tell you my story. Um, I live in Oxford, um, just, you know, 60 miles up the road from you. And in 2018, we were having uh, the first of the, the kind of series of um, long, hot summers that have been, been getting increasingly difficult. 2018, it, the, the characteristic of that particular hot summer was that it, it just went on and on and on. It wasn't, it wasn't unbearably hot a lot of the time, although it was pretty hot, but it was just like there was no rain for weeks and weeks and weeks and the trees were starting to die. Um, and the parks were just looking so kind of desolate and people were starting to talk about this you know they were starting to say this is this is not a great summer this is just frightening um, and these were people who had in my experience had not really talked about climate change before you know they might have been doing lots of climate actions but they hadn't really talked about climate change itself or they hadn't really done anything because they'd not really realized and now they're beginning to realize so I wondered how what it would be like if we created a space where those people could come together and continue the, the continue that conversation that had begun you know beginning to say this is a bit scary isn't it this is worrying this is real this is happening to us now um and so I tried it out and you know did it really badly and it was chaotic and complicated but it was the beginning um, and at the same time around the world people were doing um, similar things and many of us were influenced um, inspired by the model of the thing that's called the death cafe um, and you may think oh my god this really is this about death but it's it's more about the idea that there are things in our society that are taboo the death cafe was set up so as to make it possible to talk about death because death is kind of we don't talk about it in our society do we um and they have a particular way of doing it which was very very light and very um kind of easy to do easy to facilitate easy to to organize and i copied a lot of their approaches and so did other people um and it worked very well for this other thing that was a taboo climate change and and when you got people together were you surprised at the different anxieties the different taboos that came up mm. i mean every climate cafe has its own sort of flavor and uh, things that come up um i think i think what i was what i was quite struck by i'm not i'm not sure surprised i'm not sure it's quite quite right to say surprised but i was quite struck by the different things that people do in order to to manage their feelings and for some people they come to a climate cafe and they don't know how to talk about their feelings so they talk about other things instead um and the uh, thing about being a climate cafe facilitator is you need to listen out for what the feelings might be that are underneath the talking about other things so you know some people have got a lot of knowledge about climate policy and climate um, solutions and they bring those um, and you let them talk about those for a bit and then you say and I wonder how that makes you feel and you kind of you go from there so that's that was one thing is kind of looking out for the for the defenses and what might be underneath the defenses but the other thing is yeah the, the different sorts of feelings so some people really need to hold on to the particular thing that they're doing like choosing to be vegan um, uh, choosing to um, 
you know, really, really never fly, those, those kinds of actions. And we talk about what that means to them. Why, why veganism? Why not flying? What are the things that, that that kind of says to them about their lives and their, 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 their own feelings? Um, and, and others have tried lots of different climate solutions and, and climate actions, and they, they are getting to the point where they're thinking, I, I don't know whether any of this is going to work. And they're feeling despair um, and a sense of, you know, what was the point of all of that? And to be able to name that in a group is really important for those people because it may be that they've never been allowed to say it with in their ordinary day-to-day -day lives because they're frightened that they will uh, depress people, create other people, you know, give, give other people their anxiety. So this is a place where they can say those things. Other people acknowledge really painful feelings about the people around them. You know, they feel the they feel the difficulty of talking. They feel the their own rage at um, what other people have not done. But but when you have a cafe, um, it's it's really about thoughts and feelings, isn't isn't it? It's not presentational. You don't encourage them to have speakers. It's about dialogue. Yeah, that's uh, that's absolutely it. So we say no guest speakers, no talks, no advice. Um, and that's a really difficult. The, the last bit of that is a really difficult thing to hold on to. But yeah, we all it is, is a bunch of people coming together, um, taking it in turns to speak, maybe having something, uh, a way of doing the speaking that enables them to feel grounded and safe um, and just exploring what gets expressed. So it, what gets what the the material the content of a climate com, a climate cafe is what people bring to it yeah so somebody yeah. brings grief somebody brings shame somebody brings uh worries about their kids and those are the things that then get talked about i mean the problem is i guess you face though is that when people tell you their anxieties and their stress sometimes the antidote to that is taking action i know that they on the, the climate psychology site you um you you look at various types of uh, climate anxiety and you at one point talk about how young people know their links between the climate crisis and government inaction um and they feel betrayed by governments now for them it's not just talking is it they want to do something because that is not just a solution to the climate crisis it's also a solution to their anxiety it, it is a big help to anxiety yes i agree um i think what is a uh, what is uh, really important around climate action is to feel that you're not alone with it um, and to feel that especially for young people that those in authority and with power are are with you um, and hear you and understand what you're saying um, and get it themselves. You know, it's not just this is a problem for young people. Um, it is a problem for all of us and governments need to take need to take that action. So I think for, for some young activists, what it's been like for them is they have taken action. They've really seen the need for this. They've stepped up. Um, they've uh, in the action has helped them to manage their anxiety, but the more they do the action and the and the less action they see governments taking, the worse that gets because they've they're kind of feeling somehow this is all my responsibility and I'm 17, 18 or something. How come this is all my responsibility? And 
that kind of reinforces the anxiety. So I think action needs to be supported by uh, community. And that means not just other young people, but people like you and me um, who are uh, also active, but are um, you know, part of the generation that could be said to have failed. Um, we acknowledge that. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you say very often that, um, or you certainly said in your blog that anxiety can come from guilt, and you just talked about that now. People feeling that we haven't done enough, they haven't done done enough, and they don't know what to do. Mm. Um, and and the problem you must face is that in a cafe, talking is not enough to assuage that guilt. So, do you provide avenues for them to go elsewhere? Do you have lists of other groups? Do you allow them to take their feeling of guilt, their desire to do something about it, forward? Yes, indeed, and and you're so right. That is so important. Um, we face a dilemma because one of the things that I think is really important is that people feel they can go to a climate cafe without worrying too much about what will they ask me to do afterwards um, or worrying about whether they'll be shamed for not having done things before. So that's, that's, the, that's the focus um, of a climate cafe is thoughts and feelings, not action. And that's partly because we want to make sure that people don't feel shamed, don't feel too guilty, just are able to just talk about their feelings. Um, and so we, what, we, what we don't do is we don't at the end of a climate cafe say, so we talked about feelings and now you can join a group. Um, what, we, what, I, what I say in my climate cafes is I say over there, on that table over there, there are some leaflets, there are some, there's some information about um, uh, groups in this area that are taking climate action. Um, that you can follow up on if you like. And I, and I also say, um, also on that table, is a list of further resources for uh, emotional support for climate distress. And I refer them to the Climate Psychology Alliance um, therapeutics support that I mentioned earlier, um, but also any local groups that are, you know, um, just mainstream mental health support services. Because I think for some people, this is seriously distressing. It's not just it's not a temporary anxiety, it is really affecting their lives. And a climate cafe is not going to solve that, as you rightly say. Do you find out that when you, you look at the different climate cafes that there are, they all develop in their own way, and some of them even become hybrid models that maybe you don't want because they go away from talking about feelings and anxieties. Um, I mean, how do they sort of develop in different ways? Um. There are, there are some climate cafes around the world, especially there's a group in Scotland that are, are running climate cafes, which are, are just not our model of climate cafes at all. And they are, they're lovely things because they are actually the opposite, really. They're places where people can come together and find out what action they can take. Um, and I think those are, those are brilliant, but they're just not the kind of climate cafes that I run. And, you know, we haven't copyrighted any of this and we haven't you know the name we don't own the name of course and so i'm i'm very happy with this lovely messy ecosystem of um of, of what people are doing um i i have found that people who are doing the climate cafes in the model that i'm familiar with sometimes they they run them say once a month um for a year and then they find that they've run their course 
um, and they want to do something else instead. They want to do something that is more action focused or they want to do a reading group or um, something just with a little bit more of, a, of an input. And that's completely fine. I would just say, you know, um, that's a that's a different thing. Um, it's big, big, big tension, sort of not, uh, you know, we're so used to guest speakers, talks, advice, input. Um, it's quite hard to hold this model of just, we're just sitting here to talk about feelings. Um, and so some people do want to move away from that after a while. Fine. Yeah, I guess, I guess it's very difficult to spend a year or two years doing that. Um, and some some of those cafes do morph into other things, don't they? You mentioned reading groups. One has actually become a book group, hasn't it? Um, yes, I mean, or I mean, also book groups are setting are springing up as well. You know, they are again. It's a, it's a bit of an ecosystem, really. Um, maybe I should say that with because I'm just thinking about this idea of of running something for a year or two years. Um, the facilitator is doing them, say, once a month for one or two years um or in my case four years um participants come if they feel like it some people just come once some people come um a few times some people become regulars um and so that's a really nice thing that there's no pressure to come back this is not a commitment because we've got enough of those you know we need to save our commitment bit for the climate action we're doing perhaps but I mean, I think your argument, nevertheless, is a very real one in the sense that uh, people need to talk very often in order to free up the capacity to act. And therefore, talking often is a prerequisite to taking the right sort of action or even, you know, that the action about themselves and, and, and how they maintain their own stability. Um, in other words, what you do allows them to empower themselves to take whatever direction they want. And I guess that's what you're trying to do. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for some people who've only recently understood what's happening with the climate, the action they take may be quite small. Um, and that's um, that's I'm going to say that's fine. Maybe that's not quite the right word, um, but we need people to take the steps that they're ready to take. Um, and that's the idea of a climate cafe, that it helps people to do that. OK, so. We've got someone, they want to start a, a, a climate cafe, they've heard about it, they love the idea, but they just don't know how to start. What would you tell them about how they could get it going? I would say get some training. Um, the uh, The model take, uh, requires two facilitators. Um, because you need to look after each other while you're doing this work, as you as you touched on a minute ago, it can be emotionally uh, quite heavy. To facilitate climate cafes um, so get some get some training work in pairs um, and then you know find a find a local place where which is prepared to make a a commitment for a few months um, at a time of day that you think is appropriate for your cafes um, that maybe has a private space or is prepared to kind of cordon off an area for you where you can get teas and coffees and cakes um, and where you won't have to charge participants huge amounts to come because the because the cafe or community centre or church or mosque or whatever it is is um, is happy to provide the space. Um, maybe people will buy their own drinks. Maybe you'll pay for the cake. That kind of model is very easy to manage and and very simple and and it feels feels helpful. I think as part of a sense that people get that nobody's making a profit out of this. 
um, this is a an aspect of the gift economy, if you like, which is which is a good model to 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 uh, to demonstrate. Um, I mentioned training. The Climate Psychology Alliance offers monthly workshops for people interested in facilitating climate cafes. I would also say it would be very helpful for people to go to a climate cafe if they if they if they think the model sounds great. Go to one, see what you think. You may hate it. Um, then you know, put your energies elsewhere. Um, but if you go to one and you find it helpful for you, and you are, you have an experience that makes you that brings you in touch with the collective nature of these climate feelings, um, then you'll be able to use it for that. I mean, do you do you pro provide support for facilitators? For example, I was talking to one facilitator who ran a, a, a climate cafe, and it, it turned out to be successful. But the first two meetings, no one turned up. Yeah. Uh, and he got really frustrated. So, I mean, how can you help those? Um, well, if you're a facilitator of a climate cafe and you um, are prepared to join the Climate Psychology Alliance, then we have monthly supervision. Um, and just, you know, those kinds of things can be talked about there. I would say just on that specific issue, um, that is what happens. You might get nobody for the first couple of times you try it. We might get one or two people stick with it. It will work. People need to get the idea of what this is. People need the sense that this is a reliable thing and they will go to it. So um, just, yeah, sit with the difficult feelings that you have when nobody comes to your climate cafe and they will come. I mean, as someone with a psychological background, I suppose one can say that perseverance is one of the most difficult things to get people to understand. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, you know, we. I think especially around climate change, we may think, oh, I need to do something. Um, I'll run a climate cafe. And and that the sort of feeling that comes out of the, the that is behind that is a sense of urgency and like, how can I fix this? Um, and if we then do that and it doesn't initially work, as you say, we need perseverance and that may be particularly difficult to access when what we're what we're dealing with is our sense of urgency about the climate crisis but it's what we need yeah i mean someone a book i'm reading at the moment which talks about the importance of proximity that we don't understand each other very often because we don't have that proximity and in a way climate cafes help to create proximity don't they do yes yeah and they provide proximity is a lovely word and there's another word that a friend of mine uses which is accompaniment people feel accompanied in their distress um, when there's a, a climate cafe. Um, and it that can be done in a fairly kind of ordinary way. You know, it doesn't have to be therapy. It's some other people who feel like I do. <laughs> well, you, you sound quite hopeful, um, <laughs> which, which is good. Um, okay, so we've sort of come to the end of our 30 minutes. And so can I ask you if anybody wants to get in touch with you and find out more about uh, climate cafes or the climate cafe movement? How would they do that? Where would they go? Um, they, anybody can email me. I'm very happy for that. I have a website, which is rebeccanester.co.uk. Um, and very happy always to receive um, approaches via that. But probably, in fact, um, a better approach would be to go via the Climate Psychology Alliance, which is climatepsychologyalliance.org. Um, and you'll find climate cafe training listed, climate cafes listed, all the resources that you've very nicely brought into our conversation are there too. 
Okay, well, thank you very much. I mean, thank you for doing that because climate gap, climate anxiety are clearly growing and the two days we've had of excessive heat, I'm sure will have made anxiety grow a lot more. And I know working with theatre groups locally like Chicken Shed that work with young people, they tell me that anxiety is growing amongst young people. So, you know, it's not something that's going to go away. It's going to be something that uh, I think gets worse and worse and having ways in which people can get together and talk to each other and having skilled facilitators and people who are willing to listen and listening you're right this important thing is vital i think for getting a lot of people through what's going to be for all of us a very very difficult time in the future so thank you um you know that's been great rebecca for doing that and i really appreciate you coming along and i i think you know that will have helped to people a great deal so uh yeah, thank you. I've really enjoyed it um, in a strange sort of way. You know, we're talking about difficult things, but I'm, I'm very glad to be to be here. OK, well, thanks again. And uh, we'll end this webinar now.